Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guests. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to study a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. Good morning. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you all for being here. Thank the elders for their confidence in me and allowing me to do this again. Uh, the opportunities that I have to do this are very few and far between, so I'd like to make the best of this opportunity. Today's lesson will be a two-part. We'll do part of it this morning and finish up this evening. Um, one of the, the the major problems I have with doing something like this is my tendency to second-guess myself. The longer I have to prepare, the more I second-guess myself. And even this morning at 7 o'clock, I found myself uh, at the computer making grammatical changes, changing things the way I wanted to, and uh, uh, to, to sound maybe a little bit better as... Uh, I present them, uh, and then the fact that uh, once you've done that in such a short amount of time, you have to count on our internet service here at the building to be able to receive the file that you sent to the secretary's computer. So at, I think, about probably five or ten minutes till... 10, this lesson finally came off the printer, so uh, I was pretty worthless in class this morning as I was worrying about this and, and, and trying my best to, to hope that it came off. I did have a backup plan. I, I watched Caleb as he prepared to, to teach David's class one Sunday morning. Uh, he had uh, sent his lesson to, uh, emailed it to his mom to print off and nothing would connect and Caleb was in class with no uh, notes whatsoever. You will see me this morning refer to my notes quite often. I'm not the type of person who memorizes things well, so uh, I will refer to those. Uh, hopefully, we will, uh, you will glean something from this lesson this morning. I guess if you were to have looked at the uh, newsletter, that uh, you see that the title of the lesson this morning is Disadvantages of Being a Christian. And I know a lot of times we think, well, what kind of disadvantages could there be to being a Christian? And we who are godly people, who who are Christians, who who uh, assemble together and and, uh, and worship God, those who have who have been baptized in into the church, uh, kind of question these things. But this morning we want to look at things from look at the prospect of Christianity from the perspective of the non-Christian. If you've ever had the opportunity, and, and, and I got this opportunity back uh, several years ago with, on a mission trip to Gina, Louisiana with our youth, uh, a door-knocking campaign. That, that's something that is very interesting. And, and I watched it as our young people, uh, led by some of the people from, from the Gina congregation, would go door-to-door and would begin to knock and invite these people 
to BS, we saw the reaction that the people in the community was having. And, and, and more often than not, the young people would come back and say, well, no one would come to the door or, or they were in a hurry to get rid of us. Uh, and I think that's the case that we see whenever we go out into the world and begin to try to teach the non-Christian about God. We, we tend to find, for the most part, that people simply just aren't interested in what we have to say. And I believe one of the reasons that many people... Uh, do not want to become Christians is that they do not understand the advantages of being a Christian. Instead, many people would view uh, Christianity as being laden with disadvantages. Uh, and, and a question that arises to us, and, and it's kind of hard for us to understand sometimes, is, is, is why do they see Christianity as a disadvantage? Why can they not see the advantage of becoming a Christian? Maybe they've they've been watching those who or around them that, that claim to be Christians, and, and they really can't see a difference between those people and themselves. They, they can't tell that those people are acting any different than they are. So what is, what is the purpose of me becoming a Christian if, if there's going to be no change in my life? This morning, as we begin to think about this concept, I want us to take some time uh, and examine several principles that the world may consider to be disadvantages of being a Christian. First of all, the world might say, well, if I become a Christian, then there are going to be things that I can no longer do. Well, of course, the answer to this is yes. Uh, when you become a Christian, there are things that you will no longer be able to do. You know, we have to understand that when we become Christians, we must begin to look at things from a spiritual perspective Instead of a fleshly one. Let's notice what Paul says about the flesh and the spirit in Galatians chapter 5 uh, verse 17. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Paul makes it clear here that living as non-Christians, that is, that is living in the flesh is in direct contrast to living as a Christian or living in the Spirit. Well, this being the case, there are going to be many things that a Christian can no longer do when he has become a Christian that a non-Christian can. And Paul goes on to give us a list of those works of the flesh that a Christian should not do. Uh, continuing in verse 19, he said, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality and purity sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Paul tells us that those who engage themselves in these type of practices and these such things will not have the opportunity to enter the kingdom of heaven. But now let's look at what Paul has to say about the Spirit on the other hand. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So it's very true that being a Christian has its disadvantages if you consider the works of the flesh an advantage. And Peter also has something to say about this in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. 
He says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God, for the first time that is past suffices doing, <clears throat> for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when they, you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Peter tells us that, yes, Christians are limited in the things they can do, but he also tells us how those who around us in the world are not going to understand why we no longer do the things they are doing. Paul goes... Uh, on and, and continues in telling us about the world's ignorance of Christianity in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of your minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. <clears throat> you see, the world is blind to the advantages of Christianity. Now, I want you to really think about all of those things that, that we listed just a few moments ago in the things that uh, a Christian should not do. And, and honestly, can you tell me that a person cannot lead a joyful and fulfilled life without engaging in sinful practices like these? You know, while it's true that a person may uh, and, and will gain uh, pleasure from some of these works of the flesh, we have to remember that these pleasures are only temporary, and, and they're not going to last us through eternity. And with this in mind, before we move on, I want us to look at some things a non-Christian cannot do. First of all, a non-Christian cannot have a clear conscience before God. You know, anyone who practices works of the flesh will be found guilty of sin before God. Second of all, the sinner can't enter the kingdom of God. And thirdly, a sinner can never find true satisfaction in the works of the flesh because he'll always want more and more. You see, that's what sin does to us. Sin causes us to never be satisfied in the things we have. It causes us to constantly seek after a better feeling. Uh, Brother Joe Wells mentioned so uh, wonderfully in his uh, speaking to us in our gospel meeting that, that there are chemicals within the brain that are released when a person senses pleasure. And that there comes a point when it is more and more difficult to get that same feeling. So you have to go deeper and deeper. You have to do more and more to continue to get that feeling. And uh, just a, a side note, it is very difficult a couple of weeks after having such a wonderful gospel meeting to, to follow someone such as that. Brother Joe did such a wonderful job in his in his preaching that week. Uh, the next thing the world might say is there are some friends I cannot keep if I become a Christian. And again, we have to answer this statement as absolutely being true because certain worldly friends will try to entice us into their lifestyle uh, th those type of people are spoken against in the Bible. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, he says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. 
You know, I'm afraid that too many Christians underestimate the power and influence a friend can have on them. Uh, that's why it's so important in this life for us to choose our friends wisely. I can remember uh, when I was growing up that there were certain kids in my neighborhood that uh, I was not uh, allowed to play with or my mom uh, didn't want me playing with these people. And it's not that that she thought I was any better than these these kids, but she had invested her time and effort in uh, raising me to be a respectful and respectable person. And she was able, in her ancient wisdom, I thought at the time, to, well, uh, she's here with us this morning, so I thought she'd enjoy that. But in her wisdom at the time, she was able to see past the things that I could see. And she could see the influence that a person uh, of that nature might have had on me because they didn't share the same principles and values that our family had. Notice what Paul says about this in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. He says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. You see, we really have to be careful that we don't let the people we associate with lead us into situations that cause us to sin. You know, if we find ourselves, after we've become a Christian, and if we find ourselves going to the same old places and doing the same old things and hanging around the same old people, it's going to be that much more easy for us to slip back into that life of sin. Uh, The Bible does not teach that we should have no association with those in the world, but we should have a limited association. And, and, and when I say limited, I mean we have to be careful about how, how deep we, we go into our association with those who are non-Christians because of the, the risk of them drawing us back into a life of sin. But if we don't, then, you know, there is absolutely no way that we will ever be able to bring those people into the Lord's kingdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 27 and 28, we find these words, If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered and sacrificed, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informs you and for the sake of conscience. You see, there's no way around it. As Christians, we have to associate with people who are in the world if we ever expect to lead them to Christ. But on the same hand, we have to be very careful to, uh, not to approve of or engage in any of their sinful practices. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Here we find Paul talking about a fallen brother and how he was... Uh, how we as Christians should try and restore them. Notice Paul warns that we should be very careful 
in doing so. And we're not tempted as well. And this same principle applies to non-believers. Uh, sometimes it's necessary for us to set boundaries and draw lines. We have to have those things in our lives so that we have to be careful not to cross those those areas. We have to we have to know where how far we can go. You know, each of us have different amounts of strength. Each of us have different amounts of spiritual strength, the physical strength, the emotional strength. We all know where that limit is, and, and we know how far we can tread without without crossing a line into an area where we are becoming overly tempted to do things that we should not do. But we don't do this because we have a lack of love for the other person. Uh, we do this because no matter how close we think we have become to God, we're still human. There's still opportunity for us to make mistakes. We still have weaknesses in our lives. Uh, everyone sitting in this room has some sort of weakness, and we know those weaknesses. And the devil knows those weaknesses better than we do. And he knows how to exploit those weaknesses. Uh, but let's, let's make a note here and, and let's look at things from a different perspective. That a sinner is very limited in the friends they can have. You know, we, we think a lot of times about us being Christians and, and watching out for ourselves and, and, and trying to limit our exposure to, to people who are, uh, non-Christians, uh, we, we often forget that those who are not Christians are also very limited in the friends they can have. A person who engages in, in sin on a regular basis, a person who's living that type of life of sinful practices, is going to find it very difficult and, inco- and uncomfortable to be friends with a person who stands for righteousness. You know, they're really not going to have a whole lot in common. A sinful person is, is always going to feel that that they have to act like someone else, someone they're not, when they're around Christians, and, and they get tired of pretending. Uh, they they wish that they could just be themselves. So so in many instances, the sinner is limited to only having friends that are of the same mindset. The next thing the world might say. Oh, is there will be sacrifices to make and burdens to bear if I become a Christian. The Word of God calls on Christians everywhere to make certain sacrifices and to bear burdens. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I think a lot of people in this world find that very difficult to do. Oh, especially in this day and age. We live in a day in a society that teaches us over and over and over again that we should put ourselves first and, and, and put everything else, second, third, fourth, whatever, whatever place it comes in. In fact, many psychologists in, in today's uh, time have begun to tell their patients that they need to stop putting other people first, that they need to begin worrying about number one and and forget about trying to put others ahead of yourself. You see, we live in a time where people have the mentality that it's all about me. We live in a time where instant gratification has become the norm. Um, Social media uh, is is something we, we harp on a lot, but it it lends itself to uh, being the example in, in so many instances. I can remember uh, not too many years ago that 
Uh, if something happened during the day, uh, something, a major event, uh, you found out about it when you got home. When something happens now, how soon do we find out about it? As quickly as we pick up our phone and, and begin to scroll through social media, uh, we learn about things. We, we have come to the point where we live in a life of uh, a world of instant gratification, a world that's all about me, a world that's about what what can I get to make me feel better. Uh, yet when you become a Christian, we find it hard. So many times people find it hard to deny themselves and, and live a life for Christ by following His example. And it becomes more and more difficult the more and more things that we have that, that promote this uh, selfish attitude that we see in our nation at this time. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And another type of sacrifice we have to deal with is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, as David read for us just a few minutes ago. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul's telling us that we need to dedicate our entire selves, our entire being to spiritual matters, and not allow ourselves to become like the world, uh, worldly people and, and uh, promote ourselves to being examples to those who are around us and, and show them what true Christianity is all about. Think about some of the things the world would consider too great a sacrifice to become a Christian. Some would not like the idea of sacrificing their time to serve the Lord. Um, I, we talk to our young people in class and, and we uh, encourage them and, and we make it a point to uh, thank them and, and for taking the time that they take. You know, our young people are very active and uh, if they're not here they're somewhere else worshiping. Uh, you know, a lot of times we're here and there and doing whatever. But our, our young people are, are very dedicated to what they do. And we talk often in class about the difficulties they face and having people, I guess, kind of uh, ridicule them about the fact that they have set aside time. They know where they're going to be on Wednesday night. They know where they're going to be on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And, and they're willing to sacrifice their time in service to God. But many people are not like that. Many, many people can't understand why anyone would rather go to a Bible study or a worship service instead of taking the kids to a ball game or doing some other fun activity. And, uh, you know, we used to, uh, when we lived in Bear Creek, we had to, uh, cross the bridge, uh, going across the lake every Sunday morning and we would, um, start our way to worship service and, and Caleb when he was younger would always ask what those people were doing out there fishing on Sunday morning he said they're supposed to be in church and so he knew from a young age that there were sacrifices you had to make there were priorities that you had to have and he knew what those priorities were but sadly too many people don't understand that um, many people would rather find other things to do than be at worship 
Oh, if people only understood what, what God has done for us through the sacrifice of His Son and through, through giving Him to ransom us from our sins, they would have a better understanding of what a privilege, what an honor it is to be able to assemble together and worship God and study His Word with those who have also understood what God has done for us. Others in the world would find it difficult to, to let go of their money and consider this a, a, a great disadvantage. But to the Christian... Giving is something that is done from the heart and is done through our joy and love of the Lord. The reason why? Because we understand that the riches of the world are temporary. And that we have a far greater reward waiting for us in heaven. Jesus has something to say about this in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 19 through 21. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is. We tell our young people so many times that that you will be what you decide to be. Where you put your effort, where you put your time, that's what you will be. Uh, Matt McAlpin had a, a wonderful thing he said every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night to our young people. He told them, he said, if you hang around garbage... You're going to smell like garbage. Uh, if, if you put bad things in your heart, that's where your treasure is going to be. That's what you're going to be. If you put bad things in, you get bad things out. Good things in, good things out. Now, we all know the list of things that, that uh, on this list could go on and on. And, and these are just a small sampling of the sacrifices that Christians make. But I wish I could tell you that, that our hardships as Christians ended with sacrifice, but they don't because along with sacrifice comes burdens, burden bearing. First of all, we're to help others bear their burdens. You know, once again, we, we can quickly see that this type of thinking goes against the worldly view of just taking care of number one. Let's take a few, look at a few scriptures that, that teach us this principle. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. Romans chapter 15 verse 1 says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. This means that, that we can't be selfish people and, and just think about ourselves all the time. And that's easy to do because the example that we see around us, what we see going on in the world is that very thing. It is people are worried about themselves and how everything affects them. Um but anyway, as Christians, we have to love those around us enough to help them bear the burdens that they have in their lives. Now, there, there's one burden that both Christians and non-Christians have to bear, and and we mo- that is that we both bear the responsibility of how we've lived our life on this earth. And at a point in time, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer for that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 10 through 11 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. Paul is saying that that reason we try to convert people to Christianity is because as Christians, we know what awaits those who are non-Christians. You know, if, if only those who are not Christians could understand the punishment that awaits, maybe they might take a serious look at becoming a Christian. I don't think we as Christians can fully understand that punishment that awaits. And, uh, and I'm glad that, 
that those of us who are Christians don't have to worry about that. But instead of thinking there are only disadvantages to becoming a Christian, these people might see that there are real disadvantages to not being a Christian. This morning, as we get ready to close, I'd like for us to take a look at at one last verse, Psalm chapter 55, verse 22. And it says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. You know, as Christians, we cast our burdens on God, and, and we have the assurance that He will be there for us, and that He will comfort us, and that He will help us through those times in our lives. The non-Christians have to deal with those burdens on their own, or they have to to get help from you and I. And many times they may try to push those burdens on loved ones, but in either case, they'll never experience the peace or the comfort that we have in Christ, knowing that we have someone who will help us to bear those burdens in our life. From a worldly point of view, the life of a Christian may appear to have its disadvantages. But when we begin to understand that that this life is temporary and that we are going to spend eternity in either heaven or hell based on how we follow the will of God, uh, it doesn't take long for us to see that there are no real disadvantages to being a Christian, just those that are perceived by the world.